There is once a notoriously big man known as Christopher George Latour Wallace who spat the words, Call the coroner. There's gonna be a lot of slow singing and flower bringing. With that being said, who's that jumping out the sky? Ah! It's the Mothman! Welcome to episode two of Cracking Cryptids and Curios, the episode featuring the Mothman. Thank you for joining us once again. It is myself, Matt, joined again by Angel, the expert on all things cryptids. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. And again, unparalleled in the knowledge. Very, I stated that in the first episode and it remains that way. <laughs> Thank you again yeah, for joining us upon our quest to crack the exterior of cryptids and curios amongst us and take a deeper look into the weirder world around us. But before we delve into finding out more about the Mothman today, and then ranking it amongst the pantheon of cryptids, let's take a little bit of a gander at a couple of curiosities in the news. Yes, please. I'd like to hear more, 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 more. More, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> the first one that I found that was, I thought was pretty interesting, something that I haven't seen a lot about. It is an article titled, Moon Witch Hex claim circulates TikTok. So I'm not a, uh, a TikToker. I don't have the app at all, never have. But on the video sharing platform, recently has been buzzing with the claim that the moon has been hexed by witches. So it goes on to say, after rising to prominence worldwide uh, over the last two years, TikTok has seen more than its share of bizarre controversies, viral phenomena, and posting trends. And this latest example is no exception. According to reports, several witches on the platform, who are part of a community known as Witch Talk, are under the impression that one of their own has hexed the moon. The strange revelation has generated a great deal of debate, with many expressing concern about the ramifications of such a curse, saying that the moon holds great significance to many practicing witches, so uh, if it's cursed, then it would then negatively impact witches that are trying to practice. It remains unclear where the claim originated, or indeed if it's actually based on anything at all. However, the reaction has been described as a form of social media mass hysteria. With this big shift in energy from gods many of us work with, as they're angry, practitioners and worshippers, and honestly anyone spiritually in tune, may feel mood swings, unable to do spell work, and just overall, anyone's energy has been thrown off, and a lot of us are very anxious now, wrote Jules Marie, one of the witches on the platform. She goes on to say, honestly, it's just very overwhelming for witches who are affected by shifts in energy and are vulnerable. Exactly how or when the situation is likely to be resolved, however, remains unclear. And that comes from the website unexplainedmysteries.com. What are your thoughts on this one, Angel? I mean, first of all, I don't have TikTok either, but I am well-versed in the world of Twitter, and everyone was talking about that on Twitter. I follow quite a few native peoples, and they, they, were, they were incensed. I mean, they... They could not fathom why these witches would do such a thing, and I think it wasn't not—it wasn't just the moon, but they—they—they they, they supposed to have hexed, I don't know what else, and the Fey folk, 
Like Whoa, so like the entire like Fey yeah, Dominion. Yeah, yeah. So, so okay. yeah, everyone was upset and I was and here's the thing, there was another uh tweet made uh after that and there's no verification, but the person was like, it's one of the people that Hex the Moon has died. And that was all that was said about it. And everyone was like freaking out, like, wait, where's the evidence? What happened? Nobody knows anything. So, yeah, it's it was pretty crazy. So was it portrayed as that person that died like it was like an assassination or <laughs> died because of the consequences of their hex? I believe a lot of people took it to mean that it was because of the consequences of the hex. Okay. And I don't know too, too much about witch hexing but to me this this sounds like that is a powerful hex to hex well, celestial body of the moon well that's the thing right they a lot of people were uh criticizing because they, they were calling them baby witches you know like beginners and they're saying they have no way they have not they don't have enough uh power to be able to do anything like that so they're just you know uh bringing upon their own doom or something to that effect Yep, they're meddling in forces that they don't know what they're doing with, and conversely, I guess, can be killed because of it. Yep. <laughs> Interesting stuff. I mean, one of the things in the article that specifically jumped out at me was the re- reaction has been described as a form of social media mass hysteria, and I think that was sort of the writer's way of uh, one of the other biggest so-called mass hysterias in American history, the Salem Witch Trials. I think that was sort of the way of relating it back to that, and witches in, in history often have so, negative hysteria surrounded yeah. <laughs> surrounding them. Maybe, so what you're saying is that you think they're trying to allude to the fact that these witches are somehow, the social media backlash was somehow condemning the witches, or? Well, I guess the reaction maybe would be more from the, the way I took it was like witches mass hysteria. So I guess maybe a little bit different than a traditional witchcraft hysteria. It's usually the the non-witches that are the ones that are going crazy about it. But to me, it, it sort of portrayed it that the which community, for lack of a better word, would be the ones concerned about this because it, it directly affects their practices. Yeah. And I don't mean to knock them or try to insult them or anything, but that one quote where uh, you read that said that they were now anxious and whatever, um, mm-hmm. pretty sure everyone was anxious way before this happened. Just, you know, <laughs> there's a whole, no. you know, virus thing going on. <laughs> And this just compounds it, uh, uh, a hex upon the moon and other things, as you said. Not good news. Hopefully we do get some sort of follow-up. And if we do, we'll try to cover it on our show here. The other item in the news that I saw which caught my attention was an article going around stating that artifacts point to humans living in Mexico 33,000 years ago. And the major thing that I just want to point out, not covering the entire article because it's rather long, but in a study published July 22nd in Nature, researchers described stone artifacts in the Chicojite cave in northern Mexico that date to the last glacial maximum. For humans to be present in the region, then, they would have had to traverse Canada before the northernmost part of the continent was a wall of ice, perhaps as far back as 33,000 years ago, or they might have entered North America via the Pacific coast. So the main thing that really caught my eye about this is, you know, setting a, a human trajectory in, in North America way before anyone really thought uh, ties back into our previous episode of the Skunk Ape, possibly leading to more, you know, theories that humans got here a very long, long time ago, allegedly. So maybe more evidence suggesting that 
Likewise, another offshoot of Homo sapiens could have also gone there, skunk apes, for example, uh, and settled way longer before they people thought, and that they indeed weren't brought over by Phoenicians with domesticated apes that escaped their handlers. Any any thoughts on that, Angel? <laughs> well, you know, aside from the Phoenician theory, I mean, I don't want to bring this guy's name up anymore, but we all know who we're talking about here. J. Michael, I'll say it. <laughs> um... Well, I just want to say that there's this book called 1491, New Revelations of the Americas Before Columbus, uh, written in 2005 by Charles C. Mann. And in that book, he essentially makes the argument uh, um, that people were in the Americas. They had come into the Americas a lot earlier than we had thought. So this is actually in line with that, with those that, that news article you mentioned. Uh, uh, according to this, the argument was that... What'd you say? Thirty thousand years. Thirty-three thousand 30, years ago. Yes. Thirty-three thousand yeah. years ago. Yeah. So that was essentially the same argument the book made was that they were they they came across to the Americas way before the whole Bering Strait uh, theory or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I yeah I think it's definitely um domesticated apes. Whoa, you think it's domesticated apes? Yeah, I mean <laughs> you're going the Phoenician. <laughs> Theory? What else? What else <laughs> could it be? It up? What else could it be? <laughs> I I did read that book that you mentioned. I read it for. Uh, I I actually have a degree in history. I'm a, a trained historian, you could say, mm-hmm. and it's a good book. I suggest checking it out if you uh, are into that sort of thing. Just the general understanding of it. It's good stuff. Today, our featured cryptid is the Mothman. So before we jump into this angel, what was your, I guess, exposure to the Mothman prior to our committing to this episode? Now, I might give out some clues as to what's coming to uh, later, but my exposure to the Mothman was... Would you say higher or lower than Skunk Ape? I, w- I would say a thousand percent higher than Skunk Ape. <laughs> yep. Like, I, would, I mean... Off the charts? <laughs> he was... You know, the Mothman is, is, is like whenever you talk about big growing up, you know, you talk about UFOs, you talk about Bigfoot, and then you talk about Mothman. It was always like, you know, Mothman, Bigfoot, and Loch Ness Monster. Those were the top three that I always heard about. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, it was like, you know, pretty, pretty famous. But, but, you know, I never knew anything about it. But then I could also say I never knew anything about Bigfoot. Right. It's just, yeah. Oh. yeah. At, a, at a certain time, though, you had yeah. become accustomed to that. It idea was of a household name, the Mothman. Yeah. Yeah, I think my my general understanding of it was related to the Richard Gere movie. I think a lot of people can probably pinpoint their initial understandings or exposure to Mothman to the the Hollywood representation of of that story. Oh yeah, and um and the Mothman, I I believe it was the Mothman that also was the one that introduced the Men in Black, the idea behind these government figures that would Mm -hmm. you know come in and be like hey you didn't see anything yeah 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 stop talking about this you never saw it sort of deal and then they threaten you and then your life turns to hell because (laughs) the man in black showed up exactly as we're going into this episode we just want to give you a general idea of what the mothman supposedly looks like if you've never seen anything or really heard much about mothman imagine this form as we crack this cryptid shell and explore his inner workings allegedly a six or seven foot tall, mostly gray winged humanoid. The wingspan is reportedly 10 feet wide, but the most striking feature is of course the piercing bright red eyes that are about six inches apart from each other. A big creature up there with a skunk ape in in size, really. For this episode, we will once again be applying the critical application of Cotton Eye Joe's razor. Where did the Mothman come from? Where did he go? By most accounts, 
The first major sighting of Mothman was November 12, 1966, by a group of grave diggers in West Virginia. They claimed a man-like entity flew over their heads, and then three days later, four teenagers in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, say they saw a large creature flying after their car outside of the town near a former World War II munitions plant. Reportedly, nearly 100 sightings occurred over the next year in that area, and then seemed to have abruptly ended. And we'll go into why that is uh, a little bit later on in the episode. So to apply the Cotton Eye Joe's razor, where exactly did he come from? So I have a few theories here, Angel, that we can talk about. Maybe get our thoughts on what we think might be the best, or if you have any others, some homegrown theories as to what <laughs> Mothman could be. So the first one that I saw that a lot of people were talking about was this belief that Mothman is some sort of toxic avenger or teenage mutant ninja turtle origin story like entity where something begotten from the chemical and weapon dumps uh, from what's called the tnt area of that munitions plant where the two teenage couples reportedly said mothman was chasing their car so that tnt area of former west virginia ordnance works is a several thousand acre area that in the 70s was declared an environmental disaster and became one of the top epa superfund cleanup sites so I thought that was rather interesting. It's uh, not too long after the initial sightings of Mothman in the 60s and the 70s, the whole area is just declared environmental disaster. So it gives a little bit of credence to this theory that Mothman could have been something that arose from the depths of this munitions plant. Any thoughts on that? I, I, I've looked up theories on the origins of the Mothman, and I must say a lot of them don't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to leave it with that. I think I, I'll let you uh, list the rest and then I'll let you know what I think. Okay, okay. Our next one here is one of the major beliefs of that the Mothman could be some sort of alien who may have been stranded in the area and took refuge in the abandoned buildings of the munitions factory. So researcher and author of the Mothman prophecies, John Keel, he alludes in another book of his to something called ultra terrestrials. Now these are beings that are able to manipulate matter and alter our senses. So maybe even a little bit of uh, skunk ape power there, too. And historically, ultra-terrestrials have shown themselves as things such as fairies and demons. And this is tied then into something called the interdimensional hypothesis, known as IDH. So IDH states, these type of entities are visitors from alternate realities or dimensions that exist parallel to ours. So the idea being Mothman is not of earthly origins but some sort of alternate reality or dimension and has somehow traveled to earth to our earth to do what he does another theory related to mothman is that a prominent shawnee nation leader named chief cornstalk is to blame so during a diplomatic visit he was actually murdered by american militiamen at fort randolph supposedly chief cornstalk cursed the area upon his death either becoming the Mothman himself or bringing in some sort of entity that became the Mothman into our world to do whatever he needs to get done. So, yeah, occurred at Fort Randolph, which is, to my understanding, present-day Point Pleasant, West Virginia, is where that fort was located. And then to bring a point of view from the skeptic side of things, it has been suggested that the sightings could be attributed to something known as a Sandhill Crane that went off its normal migratory course because they're not normally found in West Virginia. The idea being the red around its eyes, the, those piercing red eyes, are actually just the coloring and feathering of the bird around its eyes. And since it's not normally in that area, 
people were just confused as hell as to what they were seeing, and they thought it was some sort of monster. The sandhill crane can be nearly five feet tall and have a wingspan of up to eight feet long, so a little bit in that area of size of the Mothman allegedly being. What's your hot take on this, Angel? Well, first of all, I'd like to tell all of our listeners right now that I have had a Mothman sighting. So, wow, this is news to me. This is news not only to you but to the all the world that supposedly all the sightings have ended around the same time that they appeared. So, I'm here to announce to everyone that there is a brand new Mothman sighting. See, back when I used to I used to live uh in a different in another apartment before the one I live in now, and it had like a little marsh in the backyard kind of thing, like an area where you can go to. It was, it was a protected area had signs and everything it's like hey this is viewing pleasure only you know don't feed whatever the animals there's an alligator that lived in there and everything and i would always walk the dog out at night and at night it would be really dark because there's not that many lamps there and i would hear this strange sound i don't i can't even remember this is so long ago but finally I, i pinpointed the sound and it was on a grassy patch all i saw was an outline a silhouette of, of some creature as tall as me and I see it uh, unfurl its wings or something and I was like holy crap that's a bird <laughs> but now <laughs> now I'm thinking maybe that was the Mothman so there you have it Mothman uh-huh you know I have I have myself been to uh, what's called the International Crane Foundation in central Wisconsin and they house tons of of cranes in that facility and then there's also a nearby hatchery as well sandhill cranes can be and cranes in general can be huge if you're not expecting them to be what they are the idea that these west virginians in the 60s i guess didn't know what a crane was (laughs) or didn't know what a a large bird was i don't know it doesn't sit easy i mean i kind of believe it because i mean i've seen uh, tourists come down here in florida and and they're like, you guys got gators here? Like, <laughs> sounding so surprised. And it's like, yeah. I mean, they're not, like, walking My with God. us. Who, who doesn't know alligators are in Florida? <laughs> we don't walk with them, but, yeah, they're here. <laughs> I remember somebody, I uh, saw one of the tourists, they, they, they got so um, excited when they saw uh, an iguana on the, on the side of the road. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're full of them. Yep. So, so, yeah, people people, you know. They get surprised by a lot of things. I, I, I guess I'm giving people too much credit in, <laughs> in their understanding of, of birds. But more to the, uh, the point of the origin, the thing I don't like about all these origin stories is that it's, this Mothman story is very localized to Point Pleasant. It only appeared for like a few days where everyone kind of freaked out and started seeing him all the time. And then it stopped. I looked into it. There's other cryptids that kind of match Mothman, but doesn't go by that name. And if you include those, that that widens the uh, the uh, the span of this creature and its sightings. So almost the theory that he's a misidentified cryptid yeah. and should actually be classified as something else. Yes, I think I think that's what's going on. Yeah, one of the other things that I had looked into was, um, I guess, related to it was that it could have been some sort of like Thunderbird 
uh, a Native American tradition that some sort of flying entity that, uh, just, again, is just being misidentified as what's known now as the Mothman. Maybe uh, a, a localized Thunderbird. I don't know. And not the to, skunk ape of uh, Thunderbirds. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to mention that the name Mothman, I can't find any reason why it's, it was given that name. Everyone talks about it either looking like a bird or... You know, no no mention of any moth-like uh, features. Uh, features, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I had seen is, uh, I believe that originally in the newspapers at the time they were calling it the bird, or something to, to that effect. Even I yeah. think one of the names might have even been Batman. <laughs> and then the only, I guess, origin story of the name that I could find was that it was named after another character in Batman, uh, the Adam West uh, television show Batman. So the I guess the truthiness of that I don't I don't know, but that was one of the only things that I could find that gave some sort of relation of the name Mothman to this entity. I and then after that, so. other newspapers started picking it up, and then that, it went from there. Well, you know, but I don't like it. I think it's a horrible <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, it's so. Yeah, there's there's that that little tidbit of the of the Mothman that makes it I think a little bit it's extra special. And different from the other cryptids, because even the even its uh, origin story and its lore is kind of <laughs> gray. Uh huh. Yeah. There's no like firm that I can tell firm. This is where it comes from. Sort of consensus. So even its name shrouded in mystery. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll find out if that impacts its uh, lore and mystique and the rubric of power later on in the episode. We don't know. <laughs> so now that we've sort of covered where the Mothman. Has come from so where exactly pray tell did he go as mentioned earlier the sightings in point pleasant culminated in december 15th 1967 with the collapse of the silver bridge that connected west virginia to ohio for the most part from my understanding sightings stopped in the area of point pleasant and then sort of just disappeared but is that the end of mothman some other things that i found linked to it uh, in, in sightings, the first one being in 1978 in Germany, an entity known as the Freeburg Shrieker seemingly saved the lives of dozens of miners. As the miners were about to get to work, a winged creature with red eyes blocked the entrance to the mine and scared the workers away. About an hour later, a seismic event occurred and the mine collapsed. So this idea that, you know, Mothman showed up, saved a bunch of people. Then he's out of there, never to be seen again. In 1986, reports came of a huge black bird with the body of a man flying around a Chernobyl power plant leading up to the d disastrous events of April 26. Later on, uh, many years later, several people reported sightings of a black-winged creature flying near the Twin Towers the week of September 11, 2001. Moving along in our timeline of Mothman, in 2007, Several people reported seeing a humanoid creature flying around the I-35 bridge in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a month before the bridge collapsed there, killing 13 and injuring nearly 150 people. Reports then surfaced in 2009 in La Junta, Mexico, of a large red-eyed creature roaming the area shortly before the swine flu outbreak there. In 2011, an American visiting Japan near uh, Fukushima power plant claims to have seen a creature with large black wings and red eyes that took flight upon returning to america that individual he had heard of the earthquake and then resulting tsunami and nuclear power plant incident 
that killed thousands. Oh. And then finally, finally, didn't want to cut you off, but finally, <laughs> there's an end to our timeline. From 2011 to 2017, reports indicate that Mothman has taken a liking to Chicago and has been seen numerous times in that city for what, a span of six years. So after seemingly a whirlwind tour of the world, it would see Mothman, either a singular entity or multiple beings, uh, appear to very much be here, according to those sightings. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that you frame it in that in that way, where it's like every time the Mothman appears, it's kind of like a warning that something's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. I, I saw the other side of it, another article that went with the... Uh, the the Mothman being um, Chief Cornstalk's curse, and okay. and and listed a lot of those same uh, disasters, but claiming that those were caused by the curse, including uh, up uh, the last one I mentioned was Fukushima, mm-hmm. the nuclear disaster, and I'm sure if that had been updated, I'm sure they would have mentioned the the pandemic currently happening. Yeah, would have been uh, also part of this. Thing. I'm I'm eagerly awaiting some sort of um, reports of the Mothman either, you know, appearing somewhere around a major city during this pandemic, or I would even say, dare say, that in the upcoming elections, Mothman flying around polling locations <laughs> and then being interpreted on either side of the political spectrum in America, on the right or the left, of that being. Well, a good know, a good message or prophecy of doom. You know, I do every uh, whenever I drive by uh, to my parents and back home. You know, I always see some black birds flying around this area. You know, so I mean, it's a, it's a garbage dump, but still, you know, you never know. <laughs> Are they large blackbirds? They they're very large. Yes, large. <laughs> you think ten feet long? <laughs> In Maybe wings, wings I mean, they're so far away. I could never tell how uh-huh. really big they are. So it's probably Mothman circling you, I, the trash for some reason. I don't know. Uh-huh. I think a, a a field trip to that garbage area is in order. Well, uh, check before it out. I visit them, I have to go visit the 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 auto service near me because this. Uh, <laughs> I forget the name of the app already. Um, Ra- uh, Randonautica. I've been, you know, doing that and giving my intent and trying to f- find out any weird cryptids in my area. And yeah, all I get. I, it- I, I think specifically the intent was for Mothman in this instance. In right? this instance, I was told to go to the the auto service place. Prior to that, I was told to go to the middle of the lake near me, and I'm just I just don't I don't know what what it's asking me to do. <laughs> You have to dig deeper, you know, get the scuba gear out. We're going in the lake (laughs) from what I that entire timeline very much related to the idea that Mothman is some sort of harbinger of doom. Just seeing him is, uh, oh, crap, I'm getting the hell out of here. Something bad's going to happen. Well, yeah, when I saw that bird, you know, I don't live in that place anymore, so. Makes sense. Gave a good reason to get out. Who knows what's going to happen to that apartment? Makes sense. What you're saying about the Chief Cornstalk curse, that is a a powerful curse. He yeah. must have been, it, I mean... It sounds like it radiated outwards, right? It just affected people in Point Pleasant, but then now it's just become a worldwide thing. I know. Did he know the power he was wielding? <laughs> My gosh. Maybe he was testing the grounds to see how much he could do. Difficult to tell. 
Inconclusive, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I, I would say yes, inconclusive. Inconclusive, yep. So did, uh, did you have anything you wanted to add before we dive into the rubric of power and, uh, and find out how we graded Mothman? Yes, I would like to add a few things. Okay. I want to bring up the name of a skeptic for the Mothman specifically. The, you could look this up. This is all in the Wikipedia. It talks about a very short article on Mothman. And there's a section that talks um, called the analysis where I guess they have the skeptics come in and explain the Mothman sightings and how none of it's real or whatever. So you have Benjamin Radford or Radford who wrote for the Skeptics Inquirer. And this was as recent as May, I think, the May 2020 uh, edition. But I can't access it because it's pay only. Oh, so, hidden behind a paywall. Yeah. So naughty, I'm, naughty. I'm, so I'm going based on what the Wikipedia article kind of summarizes just, it. Just one say, quick question. Does that newspaper or magazine, whatever it is, does it? are they getting enough numbers to warrant a paywall? Uh, just uh, my own, own thought. That's a good question, actually. <laughs> Should probably uh, save it for the <laughs> the final segment. You yes, know? yes, we should. Yep. <laughs> um, so so yeah. So Benjamin Radford uh, points out. So somebody had asked, you know, ex- can somebody exp- uh, explain the the red eye shine of the Mothman? Because everyone that spotted him, supposedly they see red eyes. So Benjamin Radford points out. This is quoting Wikipedia. Points out that the only report of glowing red eyes, those are in quotes, was secondhand, that of Shirley Hensley quoting her father. Now, my problem with this skeptical answer is that Shirley Hensley is not the only one reporting red eyes. So I don't know how much work this this supposed skeptic did, but it's it's my understanding that skeptics are like to be very rigorous scientifically so that nobody can refute them and here i am refuting this man already without even opening a book i did this all on the internet Uh and i was able to find various reports that very surface level uh (laughs) mistakes in his yeah um, skepticism i suppose like the main article that that started off the whole mothman sighting thing was by these two uh, gentlemen, Roger Scarberry and Steve Mallet, and they in the article they mention is had glowing red eyes. There's no Shirley Hensley mention in there. In fact, the Shirley Hensley story is her recounting how she used to see these red eyes when she was younger, uh, according to her father, and that she had seen. The, and this is before that story was printed. And then when she saw that story, she's like, hey, this reminds me of what my dad used to tell me. So the fact is that these men said this red eye thing before she even spoke up. So the fact that Benjamin couldn't even look at that article and and find that they mentioned red eyes there is mind boggling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So separate sources confirming the red eye. And there's another news clipping uh, that quoted a West Virginia resident, Newell Partridge said the same thing. He says um, uh, he's told of strange patterns that appeared on his television screen one evening, followed by a mysterious sound just outside of his home. He shined a flashlight toward the direction of the noise, and he supposedly witnessed two red eyes resembling bicycle reflectors looking back at him. So, again, that's this is, again, from a news clipping. Like, I don't understand mm-hmm. what Benjamin is, is, his agenda is of why he's trying to cover up the Mothman uh, 
uh, news reports or whatever. Maybe he's in on it. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's part of the men in black. Maybe there's truth to all this. Yep, it goes deep. Cuts deep. So, yeah, I'm calling him out. I'm calling him out. Benjamin, if uh-huh. you don't work for the government, you better admit to that. Because if not, I'm just going to assume you're one of them. <laughs> and that's that. And that's that. <laughs> okay, we may proceed. <laughs> <laughs> proceed to the rubric of power. Compared to the last episode with Skunk Ape, where we had talked beforehand of uh, sort of where we're sitting on with uh, the rubric of power, changed it up a little bit. We have no idea how each other ranked uh, Mothman for this episode, so it'll be quite a shock, I think, to see if we were on the same page or not, because for Skunk Ape, generally, we're pretty on par with each other on that. Delving into the first category, powers, where do you see yourself on powers, Angel? Okay, so first off, I want to I mention that we watched a Mothman movie last week. Yes. And I, uh, when it came to the powers... I kind of took the movie Mothman into account, but maybe not really. So, so mm-hmm. that that that's gonna reflect in my scores. You know what? I did the same exact thing. So, <laughs> specifically, uh, so that the movie is Mothman on IMDb TV for free. I believe it was. They yes. got some thirty-second commercials spliced in there. Yeah, but I believe originally a sci-fi original, maybe, or it appeared on Sci-Fi Channel. Yes, and um, it had a, a lovely cast of characters and a nice, uh, great script. I, I refute that. They were not nice. They, <laughs> they bludgeoned a child to death with a stone and tried to cover it up that he jumped in the water and hit his head. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just to get the story moving. After they moving. each passed the, hand, passed the stone from hand to hand and each had a whack at the kid's head. <laughs> And then claimed he hit his head one time. As they went down the line, they just lacked heart in it. They were just like, okay, I guess I'll do it too. Clunk. So uh, I guess this guy went down some like white water rapids and just <laughs> rock after rock after rock just over and over again. Yeah. Um, but back to you. Yeah. So so that the movie was weird, but we after researching we both realized that there's a lot of stuff in the movie that that was also uh we assumed was research well researched i mean there's mention of chief cornstalk and um red yeah, eyes all transparency <laughs> i just thought that was a made up person going into it it was just such a off the wall thing to add in yeah but hey they did it and 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 the creature had red eyes um, mm-hmm. speaking of uh just to you know, I'm going a little off track here, but I looked up what animals have red eyes when when um, you shine a light at them at night, and I got alligators, owls, rabbits, and cats, and that's in order of 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 the color oh, changing. <laughs> yeah, so like owls can be like dark orange, rabbits can be sometimes orange or pink, and cats can be many colors. So, alligators seems to be the only one that's really just red and no other color. Just, just a little fact. Yeah, little tidbit. Which, which also little, makes little sense angel tidbit when, when people say <laughs> it makes sense when they say it could have been an owl when they saw you know because owls yeah. apparently yep yep. But anyway, that being said, for the powers, I, this is what I wrote down: it can fly, and that's pretty much it. 
<laughs> is is that a good thing? <laughs> well, or well, I, then I wrote, if we are to believe the movie, it can travel through mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, other than or be contained by them, or be contained. I I don't. I still don't understand how it works. Like he can go through the mirrors, but if the mirror's too small, he can't get out because it's broken. It's sharp. I don't know. It, but sometimes it can. I mean, it's all. Yeah, it's. I don't know, but I think in this case the movie powers didn't help it much. I give it a one. Yeah, a one. Yikes. So, the things that I found for Mothman's powers, one of them uh, said that allegedly he could fly up to 100 miles per hour. So the idea that Mothman could just, you know, for being such a huge creature, 10 foot wide wingspan, humanoid probably at least close to 200 pounds that's a pretty exciting speed to be flying at 100 miles an hour another thing that it's attributed with shrieking not always the coolest thing to be attributed with but it suggests that maybe a hypersonic screech was what took the silver bridge down um <laughs> in the 1960s that he targeted the bridge on his own and it wasn't some sort of prophecy it was just him doing badass stuff and doing it on his own so after that yeah i delved into that mothman movie portions of it the teleportation powers of going through mirrors there was also a mobile home i think it was that was shined very very nicely and he was able to uh exit through the shininess on the mobile home so there's there's that too and the movie also depicted an aversion to sunlight, so some sort of like vampiric weakness, <laughs> weakness yes, that uh, get him in sunlight and you might be able to do some damage to him, but he was also impervious to gunfire, so all over the place in his powers. Not to mention, I think, I feel like the sunlight was a red herring because it, the right as soon as yeah. they mentioned that. The next scene, you see him in sunlight, and nothing's happening to him. Yep. So, based on the movie, his powers weren't the weren't the best, to say that bluntly. And then, just in in general, the the normalness outside the movie, I'm still not convinced by the powers of Mothman, flying and shrieking, and allegedly being a harbinger of doom. I put a one and a half needs work. So Ooh. we're pretty on par there. I was a little bit higher, I guess. Yeah, the hundred <laughs> miles an hour—that's cool. You can fly really fast. I mean, I guess <laughs> <laughs> flying is flying. I don't care how fast you fly at that point. <laughs> uh huh. How about uh, detectability? Where are you sitting on that? I feel, I feel like we're gonna diverge soon. I feel like we're gonna diverge. I don't know about that. <laughs> um. So detectability again. If we assume the moth. So I guess the other thing I noticed while you were explaining is that. Our scoring is also affected by um, how we interpret the Mothman, right? If we believe it's a curse from Chief Cornstalk versus if we believe it's a Harbinger of Doom, you know? So I feel like that's... Yeah, also, I guess yeah, you know, the origins of it. If yeah. you believe it's an interdimensional being, then I would have given it a four for power, you know? Because you can't top that. But Yeah, or being an alien that uh, is lost on Earth and can't get back home et over here trying to phone home it's it's not going well for him or the toxic avenger ninja turtle uh, mutant from the swamps it's yeah or a curse depending on where you look 
cool things or not so cool things depending on yeah. on your ideas so without there being a i guess a concise answer of where he comes from it was hard to you know give him some powers so i just went based off of what he's normally attributed with right yes yeah. so that being said with detectability if we assume mothman is its own cryptid and not a, a misidentified or some sort of offshoot of a thunderbird or anything i would have given it a four because you know all these sightings in that one period of time and then nothing right yeah and i feel like yeah back in the 60s yeah and i feel like back uh all those other ones you mentioned where oh people have sighted these birds and whatever again if we're gonna say that bird that they saw in the russian mines was it uh germany germany german mines like, why isn't that, why is that one considered a Mothman? Why isn't that the Owlman from England, yeah, right? Yeah, so, well, and that one was known as the Freeberg Shrieker. Right. So, even his own so sub-entity, if, if, really. If we're going to, yeah, if we're going to treat them as their own entities, we can't give credit to Mothman for that. Yeah, right? yeah, so, we can't say Mothman saved those <laughs> ten miners. So, so I <laughs> no, give it's the Freeberg Shrieker, <laughs> damn it. So, so it would have been a four, because it's like, that's it, we haven't seen it anymore. Yeah, he's been hidden for a long time. Um, and then I said, if, if we accept that it is a, a, a subset of a, of a larger cryptid, then that means there are more sightings to go by, which makes, which, and then I wrote, and because even still, we, we only have sightings. We don't have pictures. Whereas with Bigfoot, we have pictures, even if they're blurry. So I'd give it a 3.5. In detectability? Yeah. So you gave them a, a, a above average, almost a four exemplary yeah. detectability. Okay. So this is a complete divergence in my uh, <laughs> understanding of Mothman. So I approached it with the idea that he's, he seems to have this purpose of being this harbinger of doom. That's what I keep going back to. And that his entire purpose is to warn you. So the a very idea is to be begs seen. that this cryptid has to be seen uh-huh. to be able to uh, have you interpret his warnings. Based on the entire idea that he needs to be seen to get his job done. I gave him a one. That's, you know, he, he he doesn't want to be hidden because his purpose is to show you something. Right. So that was my that was my interpretation of his detectability. That's a good take. That's a good take. Mm-hmm. Good take. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. On to lore and mystique. Where were you sitting on the mystique of the Mothman? The lore, the mystique. I don't know. I don't know much. It's, it's either a bird man or an alien or a mutant or a curse. Like I mean, that's all it is. I don't... There's no... I don't see... There's nothing about the the lore or mystique that... This is what boggles my mind. I don't understand why Mothman is so dang popular and is known worldwide... And Skunk Ape yeah. is just localized to this little Sitting subset pretty in Florida. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, it's like there's nothing about the Mothman other than, oh, he, in the 60s he appeared and he's never been seen again. Unless maybe you think this other creature in Germany is a Mothman or whatever. But he only shows up and then he war- it's a warning or whatever. It's like, okay. So what I did notice, though, about Mothman stories is that there is more cover-up types in 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 the mothman stuff so if somebody's seen bigfoot or whatever i never really hear a lot about governments coming in and trying to hide the evidence although i've, I've seen a few 
But I think that that whole business started with Mothman. When it when Mothmans are mentioned, it's like oh, suddenly there's this group of men in black and these government officials coming in and trying to destroy evidence, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, for that I gave it a two. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like the really the mystique of the the men in black almost overshadows the the lore and mystique of Mothman himself. Yeah. I was one of the first things that I saw was that, you know, the first time men in black entities started showing up um, to eyewitnesses to, you know, say, don't talk about this or anything like that. Sort of akin to maybe like the Roswell incident. So maybe giving some sort of credence to it being an alien entity that the government was trying to keep under wraps, something to that matter. In my look at the mystique of it, it does by all counts seem to be a relatively recently discovered cryptid from the, you know, from the 60s, as we've been saying, at least my research of it. The idea of it seemingly being this warning of some grand doom, to me, is is pretty intriguing. So those things that I outlined on the, on the, the Mothman timeline, his world tour, we can call it, <laughs> I, I looked back at some of the... Uh, death count in those incidents because if we are attributing those deaths to the mothman i mean we have a cryptid now that has a a death count a kill count if you will the silver bridge collapse 46 dead there the chernobyl incident 31 immediate deaths and then possibly over time 4,000 deaths due to radiation exposure on 9 11 2977 people being killed on that day and the minnesota bridge 13 dead and then from the swine flu 2009 a lower end possibility of 203,000 people lost their lives to the swine flu and then going into fukushima my count that i saw was 18,500 dead from the combination of earthquake and tsunami so totaling those up if we are to say Mothman is responsible or tried to warn the world of these incidents and we're attributing those deaths to Mothman, that would be a kill count of 228,567 people that Mothman has had a hand in or around the deaths of. Looking at it that way, that seemed pretty mysterious to me. So I gave him a three above average. My God. (laughs) We're all over the board on this one. That is, I mean, you know, if you want to attribute all the deaths in the world to the Mothman, you know, go right ahead. He has has warned everyone of their death. It's the last thing you see, Mothman, and no one can refute that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to do that. (laughs) And I did, damn it. I did do that. So our next area in the rubric of power cunning and intelligence how did things look out for the mothman's mental capabilities uh mental capabilities well i i mean i must have been just shitting on this damn mothman because (laughs) i I just didn't care for it at all i mean it again it just flies around it does i mean he does some shrieking (laughs) it's it's like Okay, if you take into account that maybe he's warning people or whatever, he just shows up when something bad is going to happen. I don't think it takes intelligence or cunning to do any of that. It's 
probably getting that knowledge from some other higher source or something. Um, if you yeah, like he's some sort of voice of some or some higher being. Yeah, it's more it's like a messenger type, you know. If you if you take the uh, the movie into account, the 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 Mothman is just trying to punish, and he does it pretty badly. Because at some point, yeah. he, he, at some point, he just can't do it right, so he just decides to just kill everyone in the town or something like yeah. that. I don't know. <laughs> My favorite part, specifically, a lady <laughs> on a Ferris wheel, she falls out, and he says, "Screw you, you're dead." So yeah, I'm sure yeah, she had a, a hand in doing something bad at some point in her life, anyway. Yep. Um, so yeah, definitely in the in the the Mothman IMDb TV movie, um, very much a like revenge demon for Chief Cornstalk. Yeah. So the idea being very little cunning or intelligence, he's just designed to do one job, kill. Yeah, so I gave it a one. A one, okay. I, I took a similar approach uh, for the rubric of power on his cunning and intelligence. It being that, again, beating a, a dead mothman here, while he may <laughs> warn of impending doom, his message is 100% lost in translation. So when he appears, people think he's attacking them, chasing <laughs> their cars and crap like that. Uh, he reportedly that that guy that had the um, you talked about him the his TV went out and it became all staticky. I think later on he reported that the Mothman took his German Shepherd <laughs> to eat, yeah. I guess, and then and then he scares people. Like what kind of messenger does those things when he's trying to warn or have his messages interpreted? It's like some dire game of hide and seek. That when you find him, there's a possibility that a thousand people are going to die. Like, who wants to find this guy <laughs> and try to interpret what he's telling you? So, please, stay away, Mothman. Nobody wants you. <laughs> so, that that was my my looking into it. Whatever his message is, is so horribly interpreted by the people he's trying to get it across to. He, I gave him a one. He needs to absolutely work on his communication skills. Wow, we should come mm-hmm. back. Yep, coming back. Coming back to uh, <laughs> maybe maybe in our final part here, impact on popular culture. Maybe we'll meet again. Maybe, I don't think so. <laughs> A little rendezvous in popular culture. What's What'd you give them? Well, th- I've mentioned this already, but it just boggles my mind how the, the Mothman is just so well known. I don't get it. Um, it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, everything about Moth, the Mothman points to the same thing, except it is well known outside of Point Pleasant. You, you mm-hmm. know, there, a book was written on the Mothman, and this somehow made it more popular, or at least brought brought it to to the mainstream attention. Yeah, the John John Keel Mothman prophecies. Yeah, and then they made the movie of it. Back in what, 99? 1999? Uh, 2002. 2002. Oh, wow. Yeah. 2002. So, I mean, I mean, think about it. The Men in Black were so so much more popular than the Mothman that they made that movie before. They made the, <laughs> and, they made and the and Mothman. Had Will movie. Smith. Will Smith over, <laughs> over Will Smith. Richard Gears of War. <laughs> exactly. So, I'm just, it just boggles my mind that this Mothman is so well known as so, uh, such a household name. But you know, because of that, I had to give it a three point five. Yeah, just the his name being so entrenched into culture. Yeah. Say Mothman for how stupid of a name it is. People know what it is. <laughs> Things I looked at are the importance of Mothman seems to have one hundred percent stemmed from the work of John Keel and his Mothman Prophecies book, 
and then even more so with the Richard Gere movie of the same name. It was sort of after that movie, which I looked into it just because I, I was wondering how well Mothman Prophecies did as a uh, product. So it opened in the U.S. box offices in January 25th, 2002, earning... Oh, how, how much do you guess it earned its first uh, weekend, Angel? $33 million. $11,208,151, failing to enter the top five grossing films uh, for that weekend. It eventually went on to make $35 million, uh, almost $36 million in the U.S., and then almost $20 million in foreign markets for uh, a total of $55,157,539 for a Richard Gere headlined <laughs> paranormal Mothman movie. After that, in Point Pleasant, they started to do a Mothman festival. That started in 2003, and it typically gets at least 10,000 people each year to come to the town and do festival-type things. Other things that happened, there is a 12-foot-tall stainless steel sculpture on the corner of Main and 4th Street in Point Pleasant of the Mothman. So they are going all in on Mothman in Point Pleasant to be an attraction. And then finally, Gun Park was later renamed Mothman Park. So we have a cryptid with his own darn park named after him. And then, of course, there's a museum and research center in town. A lot of cool things going on in, in Point Pleasant if you're of the Mothman fandom. Other things I saw, he appears in the game Fallout 76. So you could battle a digital Mothman if you so choose. Another barometer that I, I often look at is... There is a Funko Pop of Mothman in the form of the Fallout 76 game. So not his original form. In June of this year, saw a petition to replace all Confederate statues with Mothman. I believe at, at the time of this recording, it has a little over 2,000 signatures for that. Finally, just like Skunk Ape, there is a Mothman beer. Uh, so I saw, looked into that, made by Greenbrier Valley Brewing Company of West Virginia. 6.7% alcohol by volume, and is considered a black IPA or Cascadian Dark Ale, which sounds like an amazing type of beer, Cascadian Dark Ale. It's said to smell of toffee and earthly elements, and taste of roasted malts, toffee, and chocolate. So I guess if you were to kill Mothman and eat them, possibly that's what you taste like. You always seem to find the beers made after these things. That's you no know, another barometer. Have you made it? <laughs> Have you had a beer named after you? Is your impact on popular culture to me? And two for two, Skunk Ape and Mothman. We'll see who's next on the beer the beer level. Mm. So my my rating of it was a uh, I went a little bit lower, two and a half adequate. Ooh. He to me it all comes back to Richard Gere, <laughs> like all things in life, and. <laughs> And uh, his movie really propelling the name of, of Mothman. But then, that was 2002. Not too much has happened in the Mothman world um, to really harp on. Uh, another thing that just popped into my mind, even though his name does not go by Mothman, the, um, the Tick's uh, sidekick, Arthur. Yes, that's one of the things I think of, too. <laughs> Wears a moth suit for those that aren't familiar. So comparing our scores here, Angel, we have myself at a 9, and I believe yours were added up to an 11. Yep. Add them up. Average them. We have Mothman at a 10. 
So, not up to par with Skunk Ape. Skunk Ape remains our champion of Reigning cryptids. King. Reigning, defending, champion, king, governor, emperor, so the all fact, titles. I think the fact that the Skunk Ape is related to the Bigfoot has helped him. Yes, he sort of got that. Well, I guess possibly Mothman had the relation to the men in black going with him, but didn't pay off in the analysis that uh, Skunk Ape with his relations to Bigfoot helped him. Yep. So, yes, once again, Mothman fails to take the crown, and we have Skunk Ape reigning supreme in the cryptid world. So, round of applause for Skunk Ape, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Skunk Ape. We knew you had it in you. So, yes, with that, thank you for joining our discussion of Mothman, taking a little deeper look into cracking his outer exterior and taking a look at his innards. And they weren't too pretty, weren't up to snuff. And I snuffed the crap out of them. You snuffed them. I mean, I, I can see it on your, on your mustache. This <laughs> <laughs> is a little bit hanging there. So, any lasting words that you, you'd like to say about Mothman, or are you ready to put him to bed tuck him in and put him to bed i guess i have one thing to say and that is mothman if you're out there listening to this i don't ever want to see you because either you're a curse or you're a mutant or you're an alien or you're a warning and none of those things are good that's it yeah stay out of out of the lives of everyone really <laughs> stay stay hidden possibly you know to bring it back around to the beginning with that TikTok witch hex maybe rather than the moon Hex Mothman, keep out of everybody's <laughs> lives. Let us continue on without a harbinger of doom, ready to miscommunicate his message and 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 kill people. So <laughs> that's it for the Mothman. In relation to our first episode, we do want to keep a reaching hand out to the spokesman of the supernatural, Jonathan Frakes. We ask you, our listeners, since he is the spokesman of the supernatural, to tweet out questions to him. We, we'd like to get Jonathan Frakes' take on the Mothman. See what he has to say about those piercing red eyes. Yes, because Jonathan Frakes will be on our show at some point. It is. It is one of our. Um, it is written in our prophecies. In our, yeah, and the the constitution of the show. It's like line number one. <laughs> have have the spokesman of the supernatural involved in some aspect. So thank you for joining us on our exploration of Mothman, and join us next time where we take a. Uh, a deep dive and dig in with the Mongolian deathworm and we see what he is all about. Does he have what it takes to conquer Skunk Ape and take the championship crown? Find out next time with us on Cracking Cryptids and Curios. Thank you. This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. This is my sad song. <laughs>